From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. It's another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast from IdahoSports.com, talking about everything District 4 athletics in the state of Idaho. I'm Brandon Bainey, joined by the guy who was probably celebrating his Dodgers clinching a, a playoff spot last night, Scott Burton. That's right, and also a big Ram win against uh, the Bears on Sunday night, so uh, life is good. <laughs> life is good, for sure. So we're going to talk about a, a full slate of football games that happened in the Magic Valley this past week. A lot of good, exciting games. I kind of wanted to talk first, though, Scott, a little bit of volleyball because uh, Jerome High School hosted the Jerome Invitational this past weekend, and there was a ton of Magic Valley teams there. A couple of teams from the Treasure Valley came over as well, and it sounds like it was another fantastic tournament this year. Oh, it was. I mean, anytime these uh, these teams can just play all day long and, and just get that valuable experience, it's it's going to pay dividends for them down the road. And you know, we had a pretty good mix of not just uh, geographical places. You know, Magic Valley had a bunch of teams. Treasure Valley sent down a few teams as well, but we, we had it up and down the gamut of, you know, from capital to Valley, you know? So, I mean, it wasn't just strictly a foray. I mean, it was really good for these little schools to get in and see some really good competition. It's only going to make them better, but it went incredibly well. Yeah. Wood river ended up winning the tournament. They went four and zero in pool play, I think. And then they, they played Gooding. Gooding won their bracket and or their pool, and uh, Wood River won theirs. And Wood River beat Gooding in the championship match as well. Uh, which, which team stood out to you the most that you saw? Well, you know, um, obviously Wood River because they won it, and they're ranked what number two in the state in the 4A volleyball pool. So I mean, they they've got a solid team. I mean, Wood River when when River Wood River plays well, they just don't make a lot of mistakes. I mean, they've got some girls that can swing. But defensively, they get to everything. You know, you, the ball doesn't fall on the floor very much against that defensive Wood River. So, I mean, they're, they're just solid. But, you know, Gooding stood out to me a little bit because they rolled through uh, their side of the bracket. I mean, it's a 3A school, um, and they were hanging. You know, they, they got swept by Wood River in the, in the championship match, but – and it wasn't like they were laying down. I mean, it was 25, 18, 25, 17, whatever it was. Um, but they battled. They got some kids that can swing and uh, do a really nice job. So, you know, I would expect Gooding to make a little bit of noise in the 3A. Yeah, that's exciting because we talk about Filer obviously has a really good team mm -hmm. and Kimberly is pretty solid. And if you can add a third team in Gooding to the mix, I think that league could be really fun to watch. Well, that league is incredible. I mean, we had all three of those teams at the tournament and they were three of the better teams you know i mean it's just amazing the, the battles that that conference is going to have with kimberly filer and gooding in the mix in volleyball it, it was fun to watch yeah and of course the big game on the schedule i noticed this week in the great basin conference for volleyball wood river at burley thursday night we might find out once and for all who's going to be in the driver's seat in this conference yeah i mean it's going to be a, a definitely kind of jockeying for position in the conference as far as that goes. And, you know, twin is kind of slide, you know, flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, you know, Wood River's making all the noise, but twin is pretty dang good. And I'd watch out for them uh, as well. But that Burley Wood River match is going to be, that's going to be fun. 
Yeah, that'll be Thursday night in Burley. So uh, some volleyball talk to start off the prep cast today, but let's transition now to football. And we we always kind of just work our way from the from the top, right? Those those 4A schools down to 1A. The best game of, of the weekend came at the 2A level, uh, but we'll get to that in just a second. Let's start at the top. With, yeah, let's let's start at the top with the 4A Great Basin Conference. We talked about the uh, the annual rivalry game between Twin Falls and Canyon Ridge. Bruins really flexed their muscles in a 48 to six victory. Yeah, and Twin Falls has got a lot of skilled kids. I mean, they they can uh, they can put some points on the board. You know, they've got some speed, they've got some size, uh, they've they've got some strength, they've got a little bit of depth too, and that seems to be something that a lot of these schools are struggling with uh, is depth. Meanwhile, Canyon Ridge. You know, new coach, new system, uh, new everything. It's just going to take them a while to to kind of get it going. You know, we kind of looked at this game on paper and, and realized, you know, this is probably what the score was going to be. Um, and it just kind of went uh, went chalk like it was supposed to. Um, but uh, it was the service bowl and got a lot of good feedback from people that were there. It's It's the service bowl. You know, we talked about it last week and, you know, they did some really good things in honoring our servicemen and women and our first responders, you know, and so I know that there's a lot of pride in that game, but, you know, walking away from those kind of games, uh, you learn that there are some things that are bigger than football and, and uh, that is kind of the whole point of the service bowl. But at the end of the day, yeah, there was a football game and Twin did what they were supposed to do and that was beat up on Canyon Ridge. Yeah, and I did see the uniforms from this year's uh, Service Bowl. They looked they looked awesome as always. The red, white, and blue uh, styled uniforms. So, uh, the the other conference game that took place uh, Friday night featured Burley and Wood River, and these were two of those teams that have played a lot of conference games kind of early on in the season. And this was another separation game. It ended up being a pretty good one, and Burley hangs on to win twenty seven to twenty. Yeah, you know, I mean, these middle teams in the conference. Um, projected middle teams in the conference. And I shouldn't say that that's where they're at because by the standings, Burley and Wood River are both ahead of Jerome right now. But they're the ones that uh, you kind of have to watch out for because they're still trying to get their, you know, their, their selves identified. You know, they're trying to figure out, you know, kind of who they are. We knew that Burley was going to be able to put up points this year. At least they could score. Wood River was the big question mark. What were they going to be able to do? Because, you know, they, they just are in these dogfights, uh, these physical grudge matches. And so, you know, this Burley Wood River game was going to be very important for the standings. And uh, and we thought it might be close. And and it was 27-20 Burley. So Burley is a team that's uh, making a little bit of noise. Wood River, I still think, is as a team that if they're if the growth of their program hadn't been stunted last year by not playing any games essentially i think they could be even in an even better spot i really like their coach shane carden he's a younger coach but played college quarterback at, at eastern carolina university at the division one level I, th- I think he is uh g- getting wood river on the right path that's just consistently now week in week out trying to find ways to win so that was a fun game to watch you talked about jerome they had a non-conference game they traveled to shelly and i'll tell you that that was a game i was at broadcasting for idahosports.com shelly is good this year man they are they're just good yeah shelly's really good and great job by the way i did listen and uh gave you some major props so well done thank um, you yeah no shelly's really really good i mean they are good for a football team and they are ranked in the top five uh, in the latest media poll. 
but you know, you got to put some things in perspective on that. They, they started absolutely red hot. You know, Jerome was without their starting quarterback. So they went with number two and Jerome dug themselves a hole right out of the gate. I mean, first play from scrimmage interception, they gave up, uh, two special teams touchdowns and it was 21, nothing before you could blink. And then after that, it was, it was cruise control, but, uh, you know, Riker Klinger for Shelley, you know, quite a football player. He carried 12 times, 80 yards, scored three touchdowns. Um, they are a really, really good football team. And I'd be interested to see how far they go in this 4A division. But, uh, you know, Jerome has played three solid non-conference games in Gooding, in Kimberly, and now Shelley getting ready for the Battle of the Bridge this coming Friday against Twin Falls. So we'll see what that non-conference schedule you know, does for them, but uh, you know, hats off to Shelley. Boy, they, they from top to bottom, freshmen, sophomores, and varsity—they're solid. Yeah, on the East Idaho Prep Cast with Lance Taylor, he and I were kind of looking at Shelley's schedule, and it, it's kind of setting up now to where they're playing in the softer portion. They could be like six and zero pretty easily by the time we get to like October. And so that'll be interesting to watch for Shelly. Yeah. For Jerome, uh, you talked about uh, Daniel Gill is normally the quarterback. He wasn't there. So uh, Xander Bingham started and um, you could tell just a little bit off early on in the passing game. He really settled in as the game got into the second half early on. Jerome lined up Gavin caps in the backfield and gave him the ball on a couple of carries. And I thought, well, okay, makes sense. They're going to modify their game plan. Caps is probably their best skill player and they need to find a way to get the ball into his hands. But then they really got away from that uh, after that, those first couple of drives, but yeah, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, last year we had uh, an established quarterback, um, an all state receiver, you know, and then you put Gavin Caps in the mix who can run right up the seam when you're paying attention to what's going on on the outside with Jerome's receiving court last year. You take all of that away, and on the skill side of things, you've got a bunch of young kids and Gavin. So you've got to find a way to get him the football because he's your playmaker. And, you know, and, and I think Jerome just kind of got punched in the mouth early and it just changed everything. You know, I mean, you were there. Uh, you could analyze this game better than I could, but, you know, it's they're going to have to get that figured out and you know having the quarterback position sort of in flux uh doesn't help things yeah and then and then defensively as well Shelley was able to bust off a lot of big runs some of that was because of missed tackles by Jerome so I think if they can clean up the missed tackles uh defensively their, their defensive line I was really impressed by Jerome's defensive line um they got they got a big guy at nose guard they got some caps at one d end and and uh uh blair at the other one and so i, I was really impressed with Jerome's d line if they can just tackle at the second level i think they're going to be in a much better position so yeah i mean their d lines are strength i mean like you said caps and blair and foster and those guys are just big bodies in there but what's going to catch up to jerome and what's been catching up to them is their depth they just don't have anybody to spell these kids you know, and so if those those kids are on the field for very long, it, you're going to see uh, the problems. And that is that they're, they're just not going to have the gas in the tank uh, in the second half. And you see it by kind of mid third quarter towards the end of the third quarter. It's like, OK, we're we're done. We've got nothing and no subs to come in for us. So yeah. that's that's been their struggle so far. And it's going to continue to be their struggle. So they're going to have to manage the game a little bit, you know, to to balance you know, their offense and defense a little bit because you can't leave the defense on the field, which means the offense can't make mistakes and turn the ball over. So 
I mean, it's a yin and a yang. And uh, when you don't have the depth, you got to figure it out some other way. Yeah, you have to play uh, almost the perfect game to when you have don't have the numbers of other programs to to stay in it. So uh, let's talk about Mountain Home was the other great Basin Conference team. They were playing Gooding and Gooding won forty eight to thirteen. I'm not surprised that Gooding won. I'm surprised by how much they won by. So is is Gooding better than we thought? Is Mountain Home not as good as we thought, or is it somewhere in the middle? Well, I think, you know, going into this game, uh, head coach Cameron Anderson, he challenged his team, you know, and he just said, we need to be more physical. We need to finish plays. Those are our two focal points. And, and they did, you know, and it didn't, it didn't help Mountain Home that they fumbled on the first play from scrimmage and Gooding scored three plays later. So like right out of the gate, you know, Mountain Home's against the eight ball there. And, uh, you know, Gooding held Mountain Home uh, to 19 carries, 50 yards rushing, and that was it you know, 76 yards passing. So there just wasn't a whole lot of offense from Mountain Home. You know, and that was done up front by Gooding because the challenge that they were given was to control the line of scrimmage, you know, because the big talk about Mountain Home was what are they going to do with Clark and, you know, how are they going to handle him? And, you know, and they had an interesting game plan for him because, you know, one of the things that they did, Gooding did offensively, is they ran a lot of beer. And so they pretty much just let Clark take his aggression right up the field and then make a decision so they didn't have to block him. You know, if he took this guy, well, they went this way. They took that guy, they gave it to the inside. I mean, so it was an interesting little game plan that kind of, you know, got Clark out of his, his element. And the rest of the way, Gooding was able to match up with them and control the line of scrimmage. Um, they had some really good uh, uh, plays from, uh, let's see, what do I got here? Oh, Tate Gillette, 10 tackles, three sacks, a blocked field goal, uh, a strip fumble, you know. So, I mean, it was a really good defensive output. Uh, for Gooding. Yeah, and of course they're three and zero now, and, and looking really solid. Um, continuing in the three A SCIC, probably the game of the the weekend in the, in the in the entire state, let alone just District Four. What a battle at overtime between Declo and Kimberly. The Hornets uh, sneak away with a forty one to forty win in overtime. That was a wild finish. Oh my word, was it ever? And talk about an emotional game. Uh, for both of these teams, because both of these teams had it won, both of these teams had it lost, and at the end of the day, you go to overtime, and, uh, and Declo comes away with a one-point win because you know there were two contrasting styles. Kimberly has you know got the spread offense and the you know the zone running game and you know the shotgun wing tee for Declo. So I mean, you've got these two contrasting styles of defense, you know, and you know Declo played it just like everybody else does. They just kind of lay off defensively. And don't give up the big play, you know, and if they can keep the ball in front of them, they're going to give up chunks of yardage and then they rally to the football and that's how they played it. But, you know, that's going to produce points for Kimberly. Um, but, you know, the turnovers came back and got Kimberly in the end or, in, or let Kimberly back in it because Declo was up two scores. She started turning the ball over and towards the end of the game into regulation, Kimberly drives the field down by six scores has an extra point to win it and they miss the extra point and we go to overtime. And so Kimberly scores, uh, decides to go for two because of what happened at the end of regulation. Um, didn't get it. And then on the first play in overtime for Declo, they scored and kicked the extra point and won it. So, I mean, you talk about the pendulum swinging back and forth in that game. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. You know, the two running backs for, for Declo are just absolute, so we're talking about Ramsey and Matthews. Uh, 
or I mean, they just are playing so well. Um, so a few stats from the game, Kimberly, 463 total yards, 250 of those on the ground, 211 passing, you know, a couple interceptions. Declo, 376 total yards with 300 rushing. You know, uh, Ramsey, you know, four for 10, 70 yards, but 12 carries for 146 yards, two touchdowns. Matthews, 160 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, it's a Ramsey's and Ramsey and Matthew, Matthew show in Declo and and uh, they provided again before what a ball game. Yeah. And so for Declo, I feel like they're kind of underrated in the two A ranks. I mean, they're they're a play or two away from playing for the two A championship last year. They lost to Westside in, in that blizzard in the semifinals. And um De- Declo just does what they do. And uh, as they get into conference play, I'm not sure they're gonna get the types of challenges they're getting right now in the non-conference. So it's nice to see them performing well early on in this non-conference portion of the schedule for them for Kimberly. Now, Scott, this is the third time this year they've scored 40 plus points yet. They only have a one and two record to show for it. And that's where we talk about last year with Kimberly. They had the offense that got into a lot of shootouts, but ultimately it was their defense that let them down. Yeah. Kimberly's going to have to get some things figured out, you know, because all the attention's given to their offensive firepower, but you know, you can't get stops. It's, it's going to come back and get you. And that happened week one against Snake. They didn't get any stops. You know, um, second week they played Jerome and it took them, you know, almost three quarters to get it together and get some stops. They did. Um, won that ball game, but here we go again. Uh, another kind of porous defensive effort. But, you know, you are facing a pretty talented Declo team. I mean, give them credit as well. But those are the teams you're going to have to beat. And those are the teams you're going to have to figure out how to come up with some stops. And, you know, we talked about it in one of the earlier, you know, podcasts that Kimberly's weaknesses were going to be their toughness on the inside. They just needed to be a little bit tougher, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Um, and it's getting exposed right now. Yep, for sure. Moving on to the eight-man ranks, the uh, 1A D1 level. I thought Oakley really uh, had a big statement on Saturday and a 52 to nothing shutout victory over Kendrick. Now that's a D2 program, but pretty highly regarded D2 team. They played that game in Parma. It was a neutral site game, which was kind of fun. The thing was, is that Oakley in that game, Scott, um, 52 nothing looks impressive, but they didn't really put Kendrick away until late in the third quarter. I mean, I think it was 16 to nothing at halftime. Early in the third, it was still a tight game. And then Oakley kind of turned on the Jets late. But this is a Hornets team that maybe I have undervalued a little bit in my rankings. But I think Oakley looks pretty solid again. Well, that's what good teams do. You know, they, they're able to kind of hit the gas pedal. You know, you're going to have teams, quality teams. And, and I know Kendrick has a big goose egg nick on the scoreboard. But, you know, that's not a bad team, you know. And uh, they hung around, did what they could. But then Oakley said, okay, that's about enough and uh, put the pedal down and took off in the second half. And that's what good teams will do, you know, is they're able to just kind of shake it off a little bit. You see a lot of good teams that maybe kind of tighten up a little bit when uh, an inferior team starts to hang around, you know, and then they start to think, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose, we're going to lose. Oakley is just kind of full of attitude. You know, they're just like, you know, all right, fine, we're done here. And uh, off they go, and, and that's, that's Oakley football. And they've always been that way. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious to see how far Oakley can go with this because, you know, it's it's not their typical power football team that they've had in the past, but, you know, they are still a really good ball club. 
Yeah. It's like the lion that plays with its dinner before it devours it, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, 1AD2, uh, let's talk about Cary. They were playing up a level at D1 Wilder. That was a game that we had on IdahoSports.com. Lather, rinse, repeat. The sun rose. The sun set. Cary won 54 to nothing. And I'm, I'm not sure there's a ton to glean from that other than the fact that they're winning the games they're supposed to. Yeah, it's exactly right. You know, I mean, uh, they had they had a big challenge this week internally. Um, and, you know, Coach Kirkland's doing a great job there because he's realizing that, you know, you're going to play these games and you're probably going to win and you're going to win by a lot. So what do you do to keep your team motivated? You know, what are you going to do to keep, get them to play hard? Because you look at Kerry, they've got two shutout wins so far. They've scored 52 points, 54 points, 54 points again. You know, they're just blowing through people. And sometimes that is one of the toughest jobs as a coach is to keep your team grounded, you know, keep your team kind of focused on what's ahead. And so what they did this week, they had two points of emphasis, and that's all they focused on. That's sustaining blocks and then an all-out pursuit to the ball carrier. Those were their number one and two things they wanted to get done this week. The score was going to take care of the, take care of itself, and they focused on those two things, and they accomplished both. You know, they had a 30-point second quarter, which put them up 46 zip at the half. Um, but it's really kind of a, a tip of the hat to Coach Kirkland because he's not focused right now with these games so much on the X's and O's as he is the mental side of things. You know, when you get an experienced coach like that, yeah, he's going to tap into that because you could get a team that uh, – kind of maybe thinks they're all that. Next thing you know, they step into the playoffs and get upset. Um, but side note, and this is the last thing about this game, that win was the 300th win for Cary High School in the last 40 seasons. Um, and the cool thing about it is Kirkland was the coach the entire time because you've got dad and son who have coached Cary for the last 40 years, and they just picked up their 300th win. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's uh, it's it's almost like the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they've had like five coaches in the history of the franchise, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is too. So, you know, uh, this uh, coach Kirkland here has been at the uh, um, helm for twenty-one seasons. Before that, his dad for nineteen. So wow. it's a, it's pretty cool. Nice little milestone for the uh, for the town of Cary. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a good gem you found there, Scott. That's good. That's right. My team of uh, crack uh, reporters. that one for me found that nugget i assume you have a team of interns at your disposal that are doing all this research for you oh yes i have a bevy of people that are working for me it's it's amazing (laughs) yeah all right the final 1ad2 game i wanted to talk about was castle ford defeating dietrich 32 to 16 now all along i have thought that castle ford was a better team than dietrich i know other media people and coaches and and different polls Mm -hmm. Didn't agree with that necessarily, but I think Castle Ford finally proved that, hey, we're, we're here and we're going to be here for a while this season. And Castle Ford is getting tired of hearing how good they're not. You know, they're not in the conversation year in and year out. So what you have right now is you've got a Castle Ford team that's playing with a chip on the shoulder. You know, they're, they're sick and tired of hearing how better everybody else is than they are. Um, and you can bet that they're being told that purposely by, you know, coaching staffs and stuff. You, they don't think you're anything. You, you know how all that goes. But it's a perfect recipe for a team like Castleford who feels they've got something to prove, you know, and 
the first test, big test, was playing Dietrich, uh, a team that year in and year out is just taking them behind the woodshed, really. And uh, Castleboard was having none of it, you know. So they got some big, big performances. Uh, Eric Taylor, their quarterback, we've talked about him in previous podcasts. Uh, 142 yards rushing on 19 carries, 116 yards passing. You know, their uh, Nunez had 64 yards and a touchdown. But defensively, holding Dietrich to 16 points, that's huge. You know, and so, you know, Jamie Ramos, eight tackles, two interceptions, four pass deflections, a forced fumble. Uh, Wiggins, 12 tackles, three of those for loss. You know, and yeah, you hear about those things in, in this level of football, but you don't hear about those things against a Dietrich team. And Castleford really flexed some muscle and got some people's attention this week. Yeah, it was really exciting to see Castle Ford uh, confirm what I knew and what you knew, Scott, right? We, we knew Castle Ford was good, but everybody else now maybe getting on board. If they only would listen to us all the time, we, they'd be so much smarter. Right. Well, let's let's look ahead at the schedule and what's coming up this week. There's there's a, some interesting games across the board. Obviously, I think the big one you, you talked about already uh, Jerome finally going to get into conference play in the Battle of the Bridge with Twin Falls. It'll be interesting because Jerome's one of those teams. You look at they're zero and three, but they're they're better than that record indicates. Yeah, I mean they are. You know they they've pretty much survived the first three games without any major injuries, dings and and uh, you know things like you always get. They're going to get one of their big guys back. They should get him back for twenty. Mark Larson, who was injured in the first game, but. It's going to be a kind of a measuring stick for Jerome. You know, they did play three tough non-conference teams, and now they're moving into conference. This is where it matters. Those first three games preseason, nobody cares. It's just going to be about finding out who you are, and now they got to step up to the plate and see what they've learned. So, you know, Twin, on the other hand, they're off to a really good start. They're only lost to Pocatello, who is uh, ranked number one now in the 4A media poll. So, I mean, and that's a game that they could have won, you know, so twin is twin is playing some really good football, but, you know, twin and Jerome typically match up well against each other. And, you know, regardless of, of kind of what years they're having, it's generally a pretty close game. So this should be a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, the other big conference game is going to be uh, Mountain Home hosting Minico. Now, Minico had a bye week last week, so they had two weeks to prepare. And this is where we find out if Mountain Home is, legit right because we talked about their they're in first place in the conference right now and they're going to get the three best teams according to the preseason poll all at home and it starts here with minico yeah you know and jensen and clark from mountain home are going to have to step up and make the presence known but as a team if you want to be considered one of the best you got to beat the best and right now it's minico and uh, you get them at your own house you know so you better get all pumped up for it get the crowd going whatever or whatever They've got going on in Mountain Home because I know things are a little different up there uh, with COVID. Um, but, you know, this is a huge game for Mountain Home. And it may not be one of those that they have to win, but because Minico's the better team. But if they can just put up a fight and get Minico's attention, they could actually make some noise and gain some confidence moving forward in the conference, you know, because they still have to play Twin. They still have to play Jerome. And I think we talked about this last week. They get them both in Mountain Home. Yep. You know, so this is, you know, you talk about the big three in the conference. It's Minico, it's Twin, it's Jerome, and then everybody else. But, you know, this year, 
might be a little different and Mountain Home has a chance to kind of throw a wrench into those plans. Yep. And it all starts Friday night at home against Minico. Burley is traveling to Kimberly. This will be a good test for Kimberly, Kimberly to see if their defense can hold hold somebody down. Wood River is at Filer. That should be an interesting matchup. And then uh, you've got Shelly traveling to Canyon Ridge as well. And uh, we talked about Canyon Ridge. They're in a tough spot. Shelly's playing really well right now. And um, I, I, yeah, I think Shelly's gonna gonna have a nice time there. Yeah, you know when you're when you're a team like Canyon Ridge and you need a win, Shelly is not who you are, you want on the schedule. Matter of fact, right now Canyon Ridge needs. I mean, they. I don't know who they can put on their schedule right now, but they have got to get some confidence because right now they're just getting beat up on both sides of the football. They can't move the football offensively. They can't stop anybody defensively. And granted, we talked about it. It's a new system, new coach, and it's going to take time. But, you know, this was an immediate need at Canyon Ridge because they have been struggling for so long in football that they needed a shot in the arm, but they needed it quickly, you know. And right now it's just not happening. And what you see as a result of those kinds of things is you see kids start to leave programs because year in and year out they're not successful. Year in and year out they're getting their butts kicked, you know. And so for Canyon Ridge, they have got to find something. It's going to rejuvenate a program, but uh, I don't think it's going to be Shelly. No, I, I but I, I do think they have the right guy, Coach Poole, uh, Bubba Poole from uh, Utah. He's played in the Pac-12. He's been a college running back. Uh, he's young. He's cool. He's hip. Uh, Canyon Ridge has a lot of students in that school, as we know. They're the biggest 4A school in the state. It's just a matter of getting those kids out on the football field, and I think it, with time, he will get he will get those numbers back up to – uh, good levels. The other interesting games this week are all kind of at the eight man level. I think Scott, you've got a really interesting one. Lighthouse Christian is going to host North gem. Um, that's a one that's a D one versus D two matchup, but lighthouse is Owen two with uh, two really tough games out of the gate. So I'm not sure the Owen two record is indicative of how good lighthouse is, but another tough matchup is North gem comes calling. Yeah, no kidding. And, and lighthouse is one of those schools that just isn't used to losing. Um, going 0-3 is just not in their vernacular at Lighthouse. So you can bet this is a huge game for them. Uh, and it's going to be a good test uh, as well. But it's a it's kind of a, a must-win in a sense, you know, for Lighthouse just to get something in the win column and get some momentum going. Yep, for sure. The other big game, uh, one, uh, one, a D one level, you've got raft river hosting Butte County. Those are two teams that have been in my top five all season. They're, they're both in the top five currently as well. I guess we're going to find out if my uh, lofty expectations for raft river are really that high, because I think Butte County is, is a legit team this year as well. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, that is, could be the game of the week right there. Definitely would be in the eight man ranks, but you know, those are two good, football teams. Uh, both of them are perennial powerhouses. Year in and year out, you're talking about Butte County, you're talking about Raft River, and now they get to uh, kind of smack each other around on the gridiron and, and see who's boss. So I, I, I think that's going to be a great, great ball game. Yep. And then the other matchup, it's a, it's a pair of uh, 3-0 and teams as Castleford travels to Murtaugh. Now, Mur- I got to admit, Murtaugh is not a team that I've really been able to get a handle on because their schedule hasn't been the most challenging yet, right? They played Hanson in the wagon wheel game. They, they beat Hagerman, which is only fielding a JV team this year. And then they beat Chalice last week. And Chalice is a team that's in, in a tough spot right now. So how good is Murtaugh? I don't know. They're three, and know, and they're winning the games they're supposed to. 
Yeah, you know, and and it's going to be about how you're going to sell this game to Murtaugh because, you know, anybody that's looking at schedules, anybody that knows these teams in, inside and out, I mean, Castle Ford is, is good. I mean, Castle Ford's a good ball club. Um, Murtaugh, yeah, you, you said it, and who they played. But, you know, you look at Murtaugh, they, they probably have a little bit of confidence, you know, because they've seen three victories, and uh, you can bet that they're not really – paying attention to who it is. They're just seeing three wins, you know, and that's going to allow them to play with a little bit of confidence, but they are going to have their hands full and then some uh, this week with Castleford. Yeah. It'll be a nice uh, step forward for Castleford again, if they can now that the targets on their back a little bit, right? They were kind of lying in the weeds these first three weeks. Well, now they're kind of out in the open. How do they respond when that attention is on them? That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it would, because I mean, and you just said it, you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. You know, and you don't let them hang around. And uh, this is one of those games. Forget they're both three and zero. Castleford's a better team, and Castleford needs to put Murtaugh away quickly because that's what a good team does. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, it should be another fun slate of games, uh, football and volleyball. We'll we'll uh, keep an eye on that Wood River Burley matchup and see how maybe Filer and Gooding and some of the other teams do over the weekend as well. And we'll come on back next week and break it all down for you again on the Magic Valley Prepcast. You can get this podcast a couple of different ways each week. You can get the audio only at idahosports.com. Also, wherever you download your podcasts, you can also catch the video of this each week on the idahosports.com YouTube channel or the Facebook page. So uh, looking forward to another exciting uh, weekend of action, Scott. It's going to be a good time. Always a great time. Always. All right. Well, for Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to the Magic Valley PrepCast from idahosports.com.